0: Literary Scape presents the historical, inspirational book club podcast, The First of Its Kind. This show is for those who love clean romance adventure stories from the 1800s. In this episode, Tiffany and Melissa will be discussing The Heart's Charge by Karen Whitmire. This is the second book in her Hanger's Horseman series.
1: Members of the legendary Hanger's Horsemen, Mark Wallace and Jonah Brooks, arrive in Lano County, Texas to deliver a steed, never expecting they'd help deliver a baby as well. Left with an infant to care for, they head to a nearby foundling home where Mark encounters the woman he nearly married a decade ago. After failing at love, Catherine Palmer has dedicated her life to caring for children, teaming up with Eliza Sutherland to start Harmony House. Eliza understands the pain of not fitting society's mold, being illegitimate, and of mixed ancestry. Yet those are the very attributes that led her to minister to the outcast children. The tag Jonah intrigues her by defying all of her stereotypes of men, but there are secrets behind his eyes, ghosts from wars past and others still being waged. When the horsemen hear rumors of missing children, they stay to investigate, sticking close to Harmony House and its beautiful owners. As they work together to uncover the truth, love and danger grow hand in hand until a finer, sinister scheme threatens to destroy them all. Let's talk about the opening scene, because it is amazing.
0: What was your reaction to the beginning of this story?
1: It was intense. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great (laughs) term. (laughs) and it was kind of like what are the horsemen getting into Mm -hmm. you know and they didn't weren't even looking for them they were just delivering a horse yes and it was just kind of you know help is on the way kind of men they Mm -hmm. wanted to help Mm -hmm. and i was kind of worried for them at first. i know (laughs) i was was
0: immediately hooked though yeah because karen wrote an amazing opening scene and i could not for the life of me figure out what was going on with that woman
1: I agree i was like where is this going Mm -hmm. are they gonna one of them gonna fall in love with her (laughs) i know there's no way right there's no
0: way yeah but once she reveals the issue it really is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. because the she does there's several pages where you're going oh my word what is going on this is crazy but then once it's revealed i was very heartbroken for that woman I really did grieve at that point for yeah. her and for the baby, which they all get their happy ending. Yeah. Karen's really good about making sure <laughs> Meg gets a happy ending. In this book, though, we get two love stories. Did you enjoy having
1: two love stories wrapped
0: in one story?
1: I did. I wasn't expecting it at first, though. I thought, oh, wow, these two are cute. And then I'm more... The interactions that Eliza mm-hmm. and Jonah had together, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're falling in love, too. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, yeah, I really enjoyed, you know, and since they were so close, those uh, Hanger's Horseman, they were. True. I thought it was really neat. So they would get to stay together.
0: I, it was interesting. I didn't think I was going to like it at first because I really like getting wrapped in one. But Karen is now the second author that's had double-layer love stories going on that I actually really enjoy because she wove the stories together really well, like you said. And I like the fact that Jonah and Mark are really like brothers. Mm Mm-hmm and they're falling in love with eliza and kate who are like sisters (laughs) Yeah, i think that like you said that helped me pull like help pull me in because they get to stay together yeah they'll be close to each other there are a lot of characters in this story so who were some of your favorite characters outside of our main characters and why
1: so there are so many children in this book mm-hmm. that have a lot of they bring a lot of depth to the story, I think. Um but Abner and Wart were two of my favorites that stand out.
0: Oh really? <laughs> okay. Abner was one of mine.
1: Yeah. And I think he just because he has such that connection with Kate and he's so protective of her mm-hmm. and I loved seeing that in in him.
0: I thought a lot of the same. I loved the kids, especially Abner and Raleigh. I went with Raleigh. Raleigh. I did like Wart, too, because Wart was protecting his little sister, but Raleigh has a lot of the same characteristics as a horseman Yeah, with the way he takes care of... I called it his little gang. (laughs) He has like a little gang of kids that he leads and takes care of because they're... Out on the streets, they're mm-hmm. orphans that just travel the rails. And But Abner's star- story is so heartwarming, the way he got connected with Kate. Mm-hmm. He's one that you just want to pull him from the pages and hug him. But he also, I feel like he also carries characteristics of the horsemen as well. And I think it would be interesting to have stories about Raleigh and Abner when they're adults. This story has a unique problem with kitty snatchers, <laughs> which I have to laugh at that term. It's really not funny what's going on, <laughs> but the way the kids are like, them's kitty snatchers, you know?
1: I would agree. <laughs> I was like, what the heck is a kitty? Oh, okay. They're taking the kids. Yes. You know?
0: But yeah, the way when that, that it first came. comes up, I can't remember the little boy's name now. That's going to drive me nuts. That was talking to Jonah. Oh. is the first time, and Jonah's like, what do you mean kitty snatchers, you know? Yeah. We're not going to give away who the villains are, but what were your thoughts on them?
1: The one surprised me. I mean, me thoughts. too. I think yeah. the same
0: one that we're thinking yeah. was a surprise.
1: At the end, I'm like, what? <laughs> it's hard to yeah, put into words. It is my thoughts on, without giving it away. Sure, I was surprised on who they
0: were, and I felt like their reason for their actions was weak. I would agree with that. I think because their reason was so weak, it showed their deep-rooted selfishness yes don't you think yeah their excuse for snatching kids like they did for the purpose that they wanted them for
1: it didn't make sense to me i guess that we live in a different time period too we
0: do but it i mean it still happens today but yeah. it's not yeah it's very different and i i just thought oh my word you you literally are so consumed with yourself mm-hmm. you never once think about anyone else and how they're hurting other people all right, we're going to do this one again. We, uh, What were some of your favorite scenes in this story? I didn't do as many this time, Tiff. I, I only did five.
1: One of my favorites was when Mark was playing with the kids out in the yard yes. with his um, a bugle. Yes, the bugle out there, and they were all following directions, follow the leader type story. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that interaction. I think that's when Kate was, fell back in love with him, mm-hmm. I guess. Do you think she ever fell out of love with him? Um, Or do you think she
0: accepted? I think she did.
1: Yeah, she accepted that she was never going to, but she was more hopeful Mm -hmm. that Mark was. I think she thought going to war was going to harden Mark's heart and Mm -hmm. he's going to lose all that playfulness and fun loving that she loved about him. Mm -hmm. So I think once she she had this wall up until she saw that moment, I feel like. And then she realized that he was still there, the same sweethearted mm-hmm. Mark that she had fallen in love with back in the day.
0: Which I know we're going to talk about them in a little bit. So I kind of jumped the gun on that. But any other scenes that were your favorite?
1: Um, Jonah and Liza, I loved when they were in the wagon to town, how she just mm-hmm. kind of hops up there, even though she hates horses. Mm-hmm. And there's another one yep. down the road where she gets on the giant horse and goes, I to know, him. yes. Um, I love that scene too, kind of. Mm-hmm. That was overcoming one. her fear. That
0: was a couple that
1: I liked too. Oh, good. <laughs> I
0: liked Mark taking care of baby Sarah, and his parting words to her were very sweet before yeah. they took her to the nursemaid. Yes. And he called her, he said, uh, Your uncle Mark will always be here for you. Then I like the way Abner is protective of Kate and his story about how she chose him. That was really powerful. Absolutely love that. I liked Eliza riding double with Jonah and then later riding by herself to his rescue. Because she is so scared of him. But remember, she's kind of, she's stubborn too. Like, I'm going to do this. So he's like, all right, you're going to have to ride double with me. Of course, he absolutely (laughs) loved having her arms wrapped around him the whole time. (laughs) Right. So I love that. I like Mark rescuing Kate from the train. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, run to me, sweetheart, run to me. And then he's got to get like on the pylon, I guess you could yeah, call it. Yeah, that was a, a scary scene. It was scary. And then right afterwards, he, he was so shaken by it. He just proposed right then and there. <laughs> and then um, at the end of the, well, towards the end of the book, Jonah's conversation with Abner was super sweet that eliza was, was eavesdropping on yes. it made me cry a little bit i mean i had a couple tears because it was just so he heartwarming sweet. Mm-hmm. super sweet so those were my favorite scenes did you enjoy jonah and eliza's love story
1: I did. Their their love story was a little more subtle, I feel like. I so agree, yeah. You tell they both had the, thought that each other were, you know, attractive. and mm-hmm. But I feel like they were also so, not cold-hearted, but like they had this wall again yeah. up in their heart. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to admit that they were falling for each other too. Right. I would
0: agree that you said that really well. There was a wall there that they both had to...
1: Overcome. Overcome. Mm-hmm.
0: I thought that their love story was quiet compared to Mark and Kate's. And I think it's just a personality piece of it. But it fit them, especially Jonah. And I really did enjoy it. I agree. Was there anything about Eliza and Jonah's past that surprised you? There was. But I don't want to give it away. <laughs> I, it, was it Eliza's past that surprised uh, yes. you? Yes. Yeah.
1: Eliza's really surprised me. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I know when you read the back cover of the book, it points out the fact that she's multiracial.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Illegitimate. Illegitimate. Yep. But how she was raised surprised me. Yeah. I liked the depth that it brought to the story. It really it helped you understand her and her wall that she puts up, mm-hmm. don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would say that as a reader, it challenged and shaped my thinking just like Jonah's. Not in the multiracial piece. It was just, you remember how upset he was with how she was raised? And it was because of the times, you Mm. know, how her dad took a stand in his mind, right, is what it said in the book, but never took a stand out in public, Mm. never claiming her mother as his wife and never publicly claiming her as his daughter. And that's where I was with Jonah on that, like... That's wrong. Right. It's wrong. You, you know, did he really love your mother? If, you know, you right. know, you go through I all agree. this. Yeah. So I did like that conversation and what it brought about because my initial reaction was the same as Jonah's, but uh, I won't say anymore so that readers can <laughs> enjoy how they uh, work through that. Did you enjoy Mark and Kate's love story?
1: Their love story I felt like was destiny working Mm -hmm. that's what I wrote down it was destiny in play I love that (laughs) it was just wasn't the right time before and now Mm -hmm. that they've had their chance to build their lives and to know themselves then destiny's come into play and God put them together at the right timing for them Mm -hmm. so they they know their purpose in life but now they can really enjoy their love story. Right, it's like they
0: needed to get finished getting rooted in
1: God before
0: they took on bringing someone else into that. Yeah. Is so that yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying.
1: You always say it so much better than I, I say I don't it. know.
0: Sometimes <laughs> you just have to talk it over with someone before yeah. like you can get it all to fit. But because of their history, they had such a fun and adventurous love story, mm-hmm. I think. Because really their love story started 10 years prior. Right. really didn't start now it just finished now and they compliment Jonah like I said before they compliment Jonah and Liza's quiet one because with Mark nothing is quiet and boring right, right. I mean, he just has that <laughs> charismatic personality like really draws people in and I enjoyed their long love journey like you said because it started a while ago was there anything about mark and kate's past that surprised you
1: there was in the book without giving it away it does mention how they were previously engaged but we never knew much of that story so how they became or or not officially engaged but they tried mark tried to propose i guess out of honor Honor and responsibility, right? Yes, for Kate. Well, to Kate, thought that. Yes, she thought that he was just doing his duty. Mm-hmm. So that, that whole scenario surprised me. Yeah, that's what I put down. Her behavior and choices, mm-hmm.
0: because of knowing who she is now as an adult. Because they were uh, pretty like eighteen. Yeah, they maybe? were young. They were young. I say that and I got married at 19, so. (laughs) But I married a 23-year-old man, so (laughs) it makes a little difference, I guess. It's just her choices surprised me. And the incident that pushed Mark, really the cause and effect there. So she made this choice that put them into a situation where they were pressured to get married, even though nothing had happened, right? Mm -hmm. But it looked like that, right? Yeah, Because of her choices. When Mark proposes, she thinks he's just doing this out of duty and I don't want I don't want him that way. I want him because he wants me. Right. Mm -hmm. So she refuses him. And that is what pushes him to enlist with the Calvary. And that is where their roads separate and thinking. I remember it was written in there. Mark was like, she's the one that got away. Mm -hmm. Right. And now God brought her back in the most unexpected place. Right. And under the most craziest of circumstances. <laughs> but her story and the kind of the things that happened in their past just re- is a reminder that as kids and teenagers, we tend to act without thinking. Her I action agree. also came out of desperation. Right. Cause she was right. afraid she was losing him back then. But then her refusal broke his heart because he really he really did love her. He really did. Yeah. But then remember later on, he goes, it's probably a good thing that we didn't because I was young. How was I going to support you in a family? And he felt being in the Calvary and being working or serving under Matthew's leadership that he really became a a man. He was just a boy then. If you remember, he kind of went through all that. What was your lasso rating for the hearts charged by Karen Wittemeyer? Three
1: lassos. You did three? I did three. I'm gonna I shock you. No. Three and a half?
0: I did two and a half. <laughs> oh, got it. I did two and a half. And I think it's just because uh it didn't hook me quite as well as at Love's Command. Hmm. It was still an excellent read. I still enjoyed it. in fact I read the book twice. But I like a little more of the damsel in distress stuff, but me because the man was in
1: distress this one that's yes, where he gave yes. the house
0: <laughs> yeah he's in distress and i was like i kind of um, liked
1: her coming to his rescue though so yeah well in I'm, both of them yeah. the women came to the rescue
0: yeah i like it <laughs> you liked it <laughs> yes three glasses. three, three lessons. there is nothing wrong with that it's just <laughs> i don't know i'm probably just one of those like i'm always like
1: Rescue me, Derek! <laughs> poor Derek. I know, poor guy. His I'm, armor I'm, gets rusty, and he's like, "Oh, Melissa."
0: I, know. I was like, oh, "I'm always rescuing this woman." I swear. I mean, one time I was in the shower, in the water. though we keep had we had trouble at one point with the well. Mm. Like the pump would uh, blow the fuse or whatever. I don't know. Oh gosh, I don't really know. So then there's no water, right? The water just stops. So I'm literally in the bathroom yelling. Derek, <laughs> <laughs> he, he laugh. You would laugh so hard. He opens the door. He goes, "Is my damsel in distress?" <laughs> I go, "Yes,
1: I need water." <laughs> you
0: know, like he's totally used to. but yeah, used to that. He's
1: just like, "I'm coming, dear." I know, I know. <laughs> like, what well, kind of here's... situation is it now? <laughs> exactly. I think she keeps putting herself in this.
0: <laughs> I don't do it on
1: purpose. I, I told him that
0: was too. I'm like, I don't know how this, how <laughs> oh, it happens, but I always get into these like. Predicaments, and he's got to come like you need to write a out. book about your life. And you damsel in distress, I, know. I have lots of damsel in distress <laughs> moments, but he always just laughs. He goes, That's just one of the reasons why I love you. <laughs> we love him for rescuing me. <laughs> all right, but I will. Okay, coming back to the book though, <laughs> it was good, you didn't have that piece in it, but it had mystery to it, and I do love mysteries, oh, yeah, and that really kept me going. With the kitty snatchers. Because did it take you a while to figure out who it
1: was? It took me a while. I had an inclination before the, the one part, but I can't mm-hmm. give it away. But
0: Yeah, yeah, you don't
1: want to <laughs> ruin it for I anyone. I just thought it was odd the way that person reacted to the horseman. So I had a kind of a thing, but I didn't mm-hmm. know the whole story mm-hmm. and who all was involved in it. So that was interesting to me. So one of the, the two characters. of the two
0: that were like your main villains. Right. That were mm-hmm. kind of leading this whole kitty snatcher thing. I suspected the one and not not, not the other, the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until I think I know what event you're talking about. And then it was like,
1: oh, my. Well, I didn't. I see that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I did. But I did read this story really fast mm-hmm. as well. That's the first one. Yeah.
0: I guess there was a damsel in distress moment mm-hmm. with there was. Kate. Mm hmm. And what? it is surprising as to who saves her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I just realized I was calling um, Rowdy Raleigh. Oh. I said the wrong name, so my apologies. <laughs> but they are those two boys are my favorite still. So. Yeah. Join Literary Escape on December tenth for an amazing opportunity to meet four award-winning authors in historical Christian romance. Karen Whitmire, Margaret Brownlee, Julie Lessman, and Melissa Jaggers, during a live Q&A event. This event is for our members and comes with the opportunity to win four series, one from each of our guest authors. In addition to meeting authors and entering giveaways, our members enjoy discount at our online store. Become a member today for just $2.99 a month or $29.99 a year, and join us on December 10th. We can't wait to meet you. All right, guys, welcome back to part two of The Heart's Charge by Karen Whitmire. We hope you enjoyed part one, and we're also hoping that you're able to join us on December 10th for that amazing Live Q&A with Karen Whitmire, Margaret Brownlee, Julie Lessman, and Melissa Jaggers. Really looking forward to that. But right now, I want to dig into some of the biblical concepts that Karen wove into The Heart's Charge. I'm going to start us out by reading a little bit on page 56. This is an interaction between Mark and... And Sarah, the baby that he helped deliver at the beginning of the book. Holding Sarah in his left arm, he tugged his hat off with his right and set it on the wagon seat. Then he bent down and placed a kiss on her tiny forehead. You had a rough start, little one, but you're strong. Never forget that God wants you to be on this earth. He sees you and loves you and has a special plan for your life. Miss Catherine and Miss Eliza will take good care of you, and Uncle Mark is only a telegram away if you ever need me. First of all, that whole scene just makes me fall in love with Mark more, right? But the line that I love the most out of this is never forget that God wants you to be on this earth. That is so precious. I love this reminder because there are times in our life when the enemy really comes at us strong and we think, I don't know if I even want to continue to be on earth, right? But we have to remember that God put us here for a special reason and to reach others and to further his kingdom. And so we just got to hang on. And I just think, too, the the placing of this in this book where we're dealing with kids that are in an orphanage. What a sweet message to send out there to all kids that find themselves in foster homes that even though they wind up there for different circumstances, I just love how Karen is just giving a shout out here to remind you that you are not alone, that God wants you to be on this earth. Another scene that I absolutely love. It is so sweet. I'm going to go to page 110, and this is where Abner is talking with Mark about Kate and how he met Kate. Abner looked at Mark. She chose me, Mr. Wallace, even though she got nothing in return. She chose me. She's a remarkable woman, Mark said, his voice thickened by the emotion he couldn't quite contain. Pride in a woman who would trust God to provide for her calling instead of bending to the demands of prejudiced wealth. Triumph for a hurting kid who'd found a love that would change his life and just the smallest twinge of jealousy that he couldn't yet make the same claim Abner had. She chose me. This is such a sweet reminder of God's amazing love for us, because just like earlier when I read that God wants you here on earth, on top of that, you layer the fact that he chose you from before the beginning of time. He chose you to be his child. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that, right? And I love how she adds in there She chose me even though she got nothing in return. Isn't that so true about God? He chose us, gave up his son to save us, yet he gets nothing in return because he does not need us, right? God does not need us, but he wants us. So just take a moment to bask in that. That is such a sweet reminder, and Karen wrote a wonderful scene displaying God's great love for us. The next scene I want to talk about is on page 202. This is a conversation between Jonah and Eliza. Slavery is a vile, dehumanizing practice, she said once she had her emotions under control. A practice my father once participated in. That knowledge shreds my heart with shame. She looked at him, and Jonah felt the dissonance of her position tugging on his soul, cooling his temper. But if each man and woman were defined solely by their greatest sin, what hope would there be for any of us? Wow, what a powerful, powerful line there. If each man and woman were defined solely by their greatest sin, what hope would there be for any of us? Does that not make you incredibly thankful for Christ's sacrifice on the cross and the fact that by his sacrifice, by his blood, we are washed clean. And when God looks down on us, when we are claimed by Jesus Christ, he doesn't see any of our sins. He sees someone who is pure and blameless. It's amazing. Such a, a wonderful scene that really drives that point home. The next thing that I have is kind of, I don't know that it's really, well, I would say it is rooted in the Bible, but I don't know, people may not pull the same thing from it. So this is what I got from it. This again is just a continuation of this conversation between Eliza and Jonah, where she's talking about her parents. And it's really uh, pinpointing the relationship between Eliza's parents The fact that Eliza's mom was black and had originally, I believe, started out as her dad, one of her dad's slaves, but they fell in love. Yet he always refused to marry her or acknowledge Eliza as his daughter in public. So he'd condemned himself for being so progressive, so kind to her and Mama. But time after time, when push came to shove, he succumbed to society's dictates, refusing to take a stand anywhere other than in his mind. Yet he was still her father, and even with the growing rift between them, she had acknowledged the truth. Without him, I never would have attended Howard and earned my teaching degree, my doorway to freedom, as Mama likes to call it. Really, this hit home for me just looking at the times that we live in and I love it. When push came to shove, he succumbed to society's dictates, refusing to take a stand anywhere other than in his mind. And I have to say I've been guilty of that at times because, let's face it, in this day and age, there is a lot of persecution against Christians, uh, believers in Christ. And there is a lot of trying to shove other ideas down our throats and at least that's how I feel and I have constantly been reminded that even the rocks shall cry out and I would rather stand face the firing squad and speak the truth than hold my tongue kind of like when Peter did denying God three times it just feels shameful not to stand up and speak the truth because it is the truth that will set them free. They may not want to hear it at the time and they may not accept it when you say it, but when they hear it over and over, it's going to sink in at some point. On page 242, Eliza is continuing to speak here. She talks about pure religion is this, she said, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. They were living out their faith, loving you as Jesus does. But how can Jesus love me after I turn my back on my own child? So she's talking to Fern, the mother of Sarah. Eliza tugged Tessie and Bessie to a halt, then turned to her companion and gently touched the distraught woman's arm. How can Jesus love any of us? We've all broken his heart with the poor choices we've made. Yet the good book teaches us, That God delights in showing mercy. He has compassion on us, treads our sins underfoot, and hurls all our inequities into the depths of the sea. She squeezed Fern's forearm. All our inequities, pebbles, boulders, even mountains, nothing is too heavy for him. I got goosebumps reading that. That is just so exciting. And you know, I know that the devil comes at us and reminds us all the time of our failures, but God does not. He literally treads them underfoot and hurls them into the sea. My favorite one comes towards the end of the book on page 272. This is where Jonah's having a conversation with Abner and Eliza is eavesdropping in here. God don't need fancy words, Jonah encouraged, just true ones. But he don't want to hear nothing from me? Eliza's heart cracked at the sad certainty in in the boy's tone. She started to rise to go to him, but Jonah's voice stopped her. Why do you think that? Because I'm a whore, son. The ugly words stung Eliza like a hard slap to the face. Tears welled in her eyes. Cruel words from her own past clawed at her heart. Vile words hurled at her, at her mother, words designed to degrade and humiliate. She clutched the chair arms in a bid to keep her anger and hurt under control. Where had Abner heard such a horrible term? Certainly not around here. Had one of the railroad boys said something? No, more likely the word had followed him from the saloon brothel where Catherine had found him. Words like that tended to burrow deep into a person— leaving a stain that could be painted over but never removed. Jonah didn't react to the obscenity at all, however. Not a bit of outrage warbled his voice as he spoke in the same measured tone as always. That ain't what God sees, Abner. The Bible says he knew you even before you were in your mother's womb. Knew you and had a purpose for you. That makes him your father. You're not the son of a whore, Abner. You're the son of the king. Wow, that is so powerful, and I'm trying not to cry. That one gets me every time. A couple things to point out here. So the first is, obviously, Abner's been called some terrible names because of um, his mother's chosen profession, right? And it just brings back this, our words either give life or they speak death. And just the tongue is... A powerful powerful thing and it's hard to control right and if you have ever had insults hurled at you then you have had words of death spoken over you and so it's just so important what we let loose out of our mouth needs to be truth but it needs to be truth and love and calling someone names like that are really words of death and I think all of us could probably think back to a moment in our lives where someone has said really cruel things to us And we don't forget it, do we? They stick with us. And some of them are really hard to overcome. Like Abner is struggling to accept the fact that he is not identified as a whore son. That is not who he is. And I love the way Jonah speaks truth into his life and says, you are the son of a king. And you get goosebumps when you think about that, right? Like, you and I are daughters and sons of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And no matter what insults people hurl at us, that does not change that fact. And I want to leave you on that note, guys, that you are the son or daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hold to that today just want to say thanks again for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed it and please share us with a friend and follow us, like us on your favorite podcast platform and give us a five-star rating as that's truly helpful. And I hope that you can join us on December 10th. Be sure to check us out at literaryescape.com. Until next time, happy and blessed reading.